All right, so I'm going to, the next couple of weeks, be finishing in the book of Ephesians. And tonight, uh, today's message is strengthen yourself in the Lord. Uh, the glory of Christ in his church, strengthen yourself in the Lord. And uh, it's a real important passage here um, that we're going to get into. I'm going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 6. Find it in my Bible. And verses, just going to look at verses 10 through 12 today. I'll unpack the other verses specifically about spiritual armor, spiritual warfare. I'll get into more in that next week. Um, but look at Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 specifically today. Again, the title is Strengthen Yourself in the Lord. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, that's the main focus that I want to get into today is being strong in the Lord. Paul, this great letter to the Ephesians, he's beginning to sum it up, right? He's saying, everything that I'm sharing with you, all right, listen, it's important that you are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He goes on to say in verse 11 and 12, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. All right, so let's begin to unpack this. Again, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, right? And so this concept here, it actually could be uh, translated, strengthen yourself in the Lord. So Paul's transitioning to this last part of his letter, and he's summarizing some key points. Again, he's telling them, telling us, to be strong in the Lord, number one. Secondly, to put on God's armor, some of these attributes he's already discussed throughout his letter. And again, we'll get into some more of this next week. And he's saying to stand against the scheme of the devil, because we're not wrestling against human flesh, but against some spiritual forces that are behind the scenes, right? And so it goes on in verse 11 and 12, put on the whole armor of God. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against these principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. He reminds us that our struggle is not with people, but with these defeated powers that he talked about in Ephesians chapter 1, specifically verses 20 through 22. Now, the English phrase or term wrestle comes from a Greek word, palais, and it refers to physical competition, where the victor would literally force the loser to the ground, placing his hand around the neck. So we are involved in a spiritual struggle against demonic powers. Their goal is to force you to the ground, gaining control over your life. But here's the good news. This is the good news of the gospel. Jesus is the victor, right? So we fight from his victory, his authority, his power, his might, but we recognize that there is a battle taking place in the spiritual realm. Now, the enemy is defeated. Christ has defeated him. You can look at passages like, for example, Colossians 2.15, and there's other places to, in Paul's writings to really understand this. But the enemy has been defeated, but he, has, he can gain authority over his life if we, what, give it to him. And so he has authority, for example, over our life when we agree with his lies. If we, and it's another message, but 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, were to take captive every thought 
and bring it into obedience to the, to the obedience of Christ, right? And so the, one of the battlegrounds is our mind. And the enemy will assail us with thoughts and things and try to get us to agree with his lies, right? So that's one area that we have to really battle against. He wants to make us unstable in our footing. I'll develop some of this next week a little bit more. And so some of that unstable footing, in fact, you know, every major sporting event, you know, whether it's, you know, basketball, uh, football, golf, or whatever, footwear is important. You have to have good footwear so you have good connection with the ground, right? So you can turn properly or move or whatever, right? And so in a spiritual realm, our footing is very, very important. And so that footing takes place in that internal reality that we have in Christ and knowing how we're anchored in him, how we're standing strong in his word, right? So that we can stand against the schemes of the enemy, right? And so some areas that can unsettle our footing, if you will, would be previous wounds that have happened, traumas that have happened in our life, and maybe we've not allowed the Lord to to minister to those areas, or maybe God's just progressively sort of like an onion skin sometimes. He takes one layer at a time off, and maybe he's ministered to some areas in our life in one season, and yet another year or two goes down the road, now he's going to minister in another area, right? But we have to allow the Holy Spirit and God's Word to minister to those areas of internal woundings, unforgiveness, trauma, bitterness, these kind of things, and let go of them because they can be entry points for the enemy to unstable us in our walk with God and our foothold. Further, habitual sin, for example, can create a huge open door and allow the enemy entrance way to, to really wreak havoc in our lives, okay? So Paul's saying, listen, you gotta, gotta stand strong against these things. Now, Paul defines our struggle against these non-physical entities. He calls them principalities, powers, rulers, and hosts. I'll just touch on this for a minute again. I'll get more into this next week. Take, for example, terrorism. We've all lived through that. Everything that's happened over the years, right? Um, you know, 9-11, the whole thing, right? Many in the secular world see it as merely a clash of cultures, for example. The culture of Islam versus the Western culture or against maybe, you know, Christian culture in the West. No, it's a spiritual battle that's taking place, right? Some, some may view... Marxism or communism is, well, that's just a different ideology to try to help humanity survive in this world. No, no. It's, it's demonic in nature. Okay? Democracies don't kill millions of people. Democracies don't imprison people. Most of the time. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. You just look at what happened in Russia under Stalin. Look at Mao Zedong in China, Right? These demonic strongholds that have affected humanity. We see things playing out even in culture, demonic in nature. Ephesians defines these conflicts as spiritual, spiritual realms that we are at war with. The Greek word for principality is arche, literally meaning origins or beginning. Kingdoms are called principalities because they were identified with a specific point where the power originated. The ruler of a principality was a prince, or in the Greek, an archon. Paul wants the believer, wants us to understand, there exist spiritual kingdoms or principalities 
that are opposed to God's kingdom. Make no mistake about it. If you're a follower of Christ, born-again believer, the enemy has his sights on you. But pastor, I just love Jesus. Jesus is love. I just want to love people. I want to be inclusive of everyone. Absolutely, do all that. But realize the enemy wants to take you out. He doesn't fight fair. In fact, the wounds that happen to you as a child, the enemy will use to destroy your life. And if possible, even allow his operation through someone who's not been fully healed or set free to even affect others. To keep them from coming out of darkness into the light. These spiritual powers are just as real as physical kingdoms. Again, we see everything playing out with Russia over there. We see things playing out with communist China, all of this stuff. But understand, that's the, what you're seeing in the physical realm. It's behind the scenes, that unseen spiritual realm, that things are taking place. And by the way, remember Jesus said, listen, he told Nicodemus, the religious leader in John 3, you must be born again, right? And he goes, well, how do I, how do I get born again? Do I enter my mother's womb? No, no, you're born of the flesh, but you also need born of the spirit. Well, how do I know? Listen, you see the trees. You see the wind blows the trees. You see the effect, basically, he's saying, of the spirit blowing through the trees, right? So we may not always see the hand of God per se directly, but we can see the spirit moving. In the same way, you may not directly see demonic entities or principalities or powers, but you can see their effect. You see the scourge in society over the centuries, by the way. But you see it right now, what's happening with the drugs and culture wars. Some of the things, it's just unbelievable. Demonic power is behind the scenes. Second, secondly, Paul, the second force Paul talks about is powers. Comes from the Greek word exousia, also translated as authority. The war is also against areas of power and authority. And I feel led just to stop right here for a minute. The reason I'm so passionate about this is because we just heard 113 kids out of 300 gave their lives to Jesus Christ at a camp. That's awesome, right? That's awesome. But make, make no mistake about it. The enemy is trying to destroy that generation right now. Every, every generation, yes. But th never have we seen such an onslaught of evil like we're seeing now in our schools that are taking place and things that are happening in culture to destroy the minds and indoctrinate kids on evil. We need to do everything we can to pray, to intercede for them, to stand in the gap, to take our position on the wall and realize there is a spiritual battle taking place to destroy the heart and soul of a generation and to destroy, if you will, the very heart of America and every other nation of the world right now. The war is against these areas of power and authority. Demonic forces exercise authority over areas of choice. This would include issues which plague the world and the church, such as sexual sin, adultery, pornography, drug addiction, racial prejudice, violence, and more. In these areas, demonic forces exist. They, exert, exist. they exercise authority over these realms if you or I agree with them. Now, I'm going to read out of Daniel chapter 10 today. Some of you may be familiar with this. I think I'm going to go through most of the chapter. You okay today? 
um, I feel it's very, very important. I felt the real urgency to unpack some of this thing with principalities a little bit more. Now, Daniel, the book of Daniel is such a tremendous prophetic book. Daniel was a seer. He was a prophet. He was a beloved servant of the Lord. And um, uh, his visions and revelations literally span centuries. But he has this encounter in Daniel, Daniel 10. If you've not ever heard this, it's important to hear this in a modern culture. Because angels are real. Demons are real. These demonic principalities are real. There are higher forms of angels, angels, archangels, etc. We'll see some of that here. And so we need to recognize, again, just because we can't see them, or most can't, some can, uh, these things are going on behind the scenes. So Daniel writes, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, Daniel 10, 1, a message was revealed to Daniel. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. He was praying and fasting is what's happening. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of Uphaz. Listen, he's having a vision of an amazing angel. By the way, we don't worship angels. We don't get into that whole thing. People get weird on this stuff. You worship Jesus, and you worship God alone. Amen. Anything else is New Age stuff. If you're into worshiping angels and things, you're, you're off. Get, get, get focused on Jesus. His body was like burl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. By the way, I feel led to stop and say this too. Don't seek an angelic encounter. If God throws an angel in your face, just bow down, worship before the Lord, and thank him. Don't be trying to go have one, okay? And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision for the men who were with me, did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore, I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. Suddenly, verse 10, a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and in the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Common thing when people have an angelic encounter. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. So Daniel has this revelation, and he begins now to press in to seek God to understand this thing, and yet it takes nearly three weeks before this, this finally happens. And now we're going to find out why. So Daniel's praying and fasting the whole time, and yet the angel says, from the very first day... I was sent. But the prince, look what happened. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, is he talking about the literal, physical on earth prince of Persia? No. He's talking about a principality, a spiritual entity. Withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, archangel, angel, 
one of the chief princes, in other words, heavenly, godly chief princes, came to help me, for I've been left alone there with the kings of Persia. This angelic being is in a spiritual conflict of trying to get to Daniel, and this thing is happening over Persia where Daniel's at, right? Now I've come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come, and you have to read through that in Daniel 11. We won't go there today. But Daniel basically has a vision that unfolds over centuries. In fact, part of Daniel's vision, even he sees the coming of the future Alexander the Great that would conquer that area of the world. God unfolds all this to Daniel. When he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. And suddenly, one having the likeness of the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, My Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me, and I have retained no strength. For, for how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any breath left in me. Then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me, and strengthened me. This is the angel. And he said, O oh man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come mentioning different demonic principalities that are going to come in war. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. In other words, there's a ruling godly prince or principality, if you will, that is fighting the cause of Daniel and the people of Israel at that time, right? And so it unfolds later. You can go read through uh, Daniel 11 if you want later. It's, it's powerful. But this thing unfolds. So that passage there in, that, in Daniel 10 is probably one of the most detailed classics in, or, or, or passages in all of the Bible that talk about these principalities and how they play out. And so understand everyone, there are principalities. They've been at war for millennial, okay, over nations, over the world, over America, okay? It is no, it, it, the, the, where we are, are at as a nation, we are in a place right now where these demonic strongholds are mocking literally the people of God, the children of God. There's an intimidation, and make no mistake about it, they want us to be completely silenced, and, and, and actually they want to cause us to be forced down, not a voice any longer. They want to run roughshod over this place, right? That's what they're after. But everybody, I know there's a God in heaven and there's no power on earth or in hell that can stop a church that knows how to pray, that knows that their God is victor and their God is Lord and will not cease to cry out day and night, night and day, Lord, have mercy on our nation, God. And wrath, remember mercy, O God. God, forgive us of our sin. Come and heal our land, O God. Awaken your church, Lord. Awaken us, God. Stop shopping at Target. And I pray you haven't been drinking Budweiser anyways, okay? Listen, these corporations, they've got some on the boards 
that are demonically led. Some are avowed Satanists. They're so wrapped in this whole LGBTQ thing. Listen, listen, we love everyone, but there is only one pure way of sexual morality. That is marriage between a biological man and a biological female married. Anything else is sexual sin and perversion. And if you have any doubt on that, read through the book of Leviticus. You know, some of the practices and things that are going on, God said these things are perverse. Verse. So understand what's coming against our kids is an assault. I have people in California, they're trying to counteract some of this stuff that's going on, and they're, and they're everything they can to silence them or marginalize people and pastors like me. They're homophobic, they're haters, they're this, they're that. No, we love people, but there are strongholds, and we must rise up and say no more in Jesus Christ. I don't want my kid, I don't want my grandkids, I don't want your grandkids or the kids of the city going to a supermarket and in, or, or into a, a shopping place or whatever, Target or whatever, and there's bathing suits and you've heard all the stories. This is ridiculous. What on God's earth? Perversity. On the National Day of Prayer that we had in May, we were, some of us are gathering, praying, I'm praying. And I began, I didn't see him clearly, but I saw two large spiritual beings, demonic principalities, camped out in the White House. And it's related to a lot of this perversion. And listen, when you entertain and you bless and, and treat them as wonderful people, drag queens and everything else in the White House, listen, what do we expect happening in our nation? Pastor, you sound hateful. No, I'm not hateful of anybody. But I hate these spirits that are behind this. These things, they don't want, they don't want, listen, they don't want an earthquake in the spirit that a city breaks open or a nation breaks open and a revival breaks in because they know thousands and millions will come to Christ. So they want to oppress, they want to silence they want to intimidate, and there's a war going on over America right now. It has been since the 60s. And, I mean, it's not just the, it's the, it's the pornography. It's the heterosexual sin. It's, it's all of it. Jezebel has run rampant over our nation for decades. And so we've got to recognize, church, what is going on and rise up and say, no, 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 not on my watch, not on my duty. This is my generation. I want to be a voice in this moment and stand up against this stuff. Amen. Because I love people. I love God and I love people. And I don't know about you, but maybe because I came to Christ later in life, age 20, when I came out of darkness and into the life, I'm like, my God. <laughs> Why didn't someone tell me sooner? Think of all the ones out there, maybe some sitting here today or watching online. Why didn't someone tell me? My wife had a dream one time about a family member, and in the dream, the family member was walking with the Lord, and she, they were getting ready to pass, and it's like, why, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? On a Friday night a few months ago, I'm not going to get through all my notes. I had a vision. I've had, I've seen angels a couple times, seen demons a couple times. I've seen the manifestations of demons more so than I have literally see them. 
I've had some amazing visionary encounters with the Lord. Seeing his face, the glory of the Lord. I've never had a vision of hell, but I did earlier this year on a Friday night. By the way, a Friday night meeting, I want to pray, really pray for the sick, really worship and go for it. So that'll be 7 p.m. Try to get here this Friday night. These Friday night meetings have been powerful this year. Amen. Um, but I had this vision of this young woman like in the edge of an abyss, and I knew that abyss, and it was happening right down here. I'd come off the stairs, shared a word. The team had gone back into worship. I came down, and I saw her like her fingernails were grabbed into the dirt, and her, she was being drugged into the abyss, and that abyss was hell, and her arms, she straight, their arms are getting longer and longer. It's like watching a cartoon type thing, and there's this terror on her face, the terror on her, help me. You see, every person that doesn't know Christ church realize there is a literal heaven and hell. And these demonic spirits want to destroy, want to confuse, want to blind the minds of those who do not believe, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ should shine under them. Who will go? Who will be a voice for him? Who will pray in this hour until we see the doors bust open on the churches and the masses begin to flood? Who will say, God, it's revival or I die. God, we must have you move in our nation, God. God, shift this thing. After you, God. And by the way, I don't have an ax to grind against any of these corporations, but if they're not going to repent and they're going to align themselves with evil, I pray they go out of business. <laughs> the CEO of Target hasn't gotten it yet. They've lost billions in market share. He hasn't got Stop buying from them. They'll go out of business. They'll go the way it came or Maybe some of them will start to get the message. Paul said, be strong in the Lord. It carries the sense of a command for the preparation of battle. Pastor, I just want love. I'm sorry you were born. I like what Bill Johnson says. You were born into a conflict, church. The moment you and I got born again, we not only got right with God, placed in his family, fully loved, fully accepted, fully adopted, but he also said, okay, get your battle gear on. It's time. The pastor, I just want to sit and soak with Jesus. I love that too. I do a lot of that. Sit and soak with Jesus, lay on the floor, soak with Jesus, then get up and go to war. Amen. Pray in the spirit. Learn how to pray the word of God. Learn how to memorize, take this word and pray and fight like your life depended on it. Because it does. Amen. See, I'm at a beautiful sweet spot in life. I'm young enough to have enough energy and vigor to go after what God has. Yet I'm old enough, I don't care anymore. <laughs> so... So, I want to ransack hell and populate heaven, right? It's been said before, right? We know what the Lord, right? 
over and over we see through scripture. Be strong in the Lord. It carries a sense of a command for the preparation of battle. You can look at Joshua chapter 1, 6 through 9, or 1 Samuel 30 through 6. I'll read a couple of these in a minute. Or 2 Samuel 10, 12, or Psalm 27, 14, Zechariah 10, 12, Haggai 2, 4. Paul wants the reader to know spiritual battle is to be expected. Joshua 1, 1 9, you know this verse. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong is from the Hebrew word kazak. It means courageous, valiant, manly, strengthened, established, firm, fortified, obstinate, and mighty. I want to be obstinate. I want to be strong. I want to be mighty in the Lord. I want his spiritual might to surge through me to make a difference in everything that I do and everything that I impact in this world. It's time for the church to be strong and courageous once again. 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David strengthened himself, literally made himself strong. David was in a backslidden place. He's in the land of the Philistines, the enemy of Israel. He actually aligns himself tries to get the king of the Philistines to let him go out to battle against Saul, against his own countrymen. And, the, and some of his commanders told the king, no, no, you don't want David. This is David slain his thousands, you know, 10,000. You don't want him. What if those guys turn? So, so instead, David and them, they're, they're just raiding villages. I mean, they're just in a bad place. They're sinning left and right, you could say. And somewhere in the midst of it, the Amorites come in and rob the the city that they were given by the Philistines, Ziklag, which means place of winding. That should be a clue. And so this is what happens when you're not right with God. You're in a winding place. You're, in a, you're not right in fellowship with everybody else. And so you're going to get off in, in, in places. And so things, they come, the enemy comes in and steals everything. Their wives, their children, their livestock, all their belongings, takes everything. And his men are ready. This is David who they love. They are ready to stone him. He's at a low point. And David, what does he do? He strengthens himself in the Lord. How did he do that? I submit to you, he started worshiping. He started probably confessing his sin. He probably stand on the word. He probably said, God, remember when. I suspect David said, God, remember when you did this. God, remember the promises. God, remember when I was anointed by Samuel. God, remember your word over my life. God, I'm in a bad place, God. But I need your strength. I need your strength, God. I'll write all this up, but there's, I was going to give you seven P principles. Position, prayer, praise, presence, purity, people, proactive. All of this to strengthen yourself in the Lord. Or I may do some of it next week. We'll just see. But here's the deal. In Ephesians, God's power, and it's important for the believer, is mentioned in both Paul's prayers, Ephesians 1 we see through 19 through 20, it says the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. Then again in Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, the second prayer in this letter, God's love and power of the Holy Spirit. He says in Ephesians 3, 16, be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Verse 16, strengthened with might is literally become mighty by his power. How? By the Holy Spirit is remaining God. Joshua, David, Paul, 
all learned how to strengthen themselves in the Lord. It's vital for us today. They were intentional with the relationship with God and to walk in victory. I'll just share a little bit out of this one here about being in position. This is one of the ways you strengthen yourself. Understand your identity and position in Christ. Remember, as I've been sharing throughout this series, you've been united together with Christ in his death, his burial, his resurrection, and ascension. You can look at that in Romans 6, 4 through 5, Ephesians 2, 6. Further, you are now a child of God, a citizen of heaven. Your identity and lineage, lineage is in God's family now. Look at Romans 8, 14 through 17, Galatians 3, 26 through 27. But Paul is saying right here in Ephesians 6, 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That English word power is from a Greek word kratos. It means manifested dominion. Paul uses it here in Ephesians 6.10, but he also uses it in Ephesians 3.20 and Ephesians 1.19. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power, the kratos, the manifested dominion of Christ. Out there? No, that works in us. Same word is used in Ephesians 1.19. You see, the key to his power and might, everybody, is in the phrase in the Lord. It is a Greek phrase that means this infusion of supernatural power can only be found in one place, in the Lord. The power is located or contained in Jesus Christ. The same locative case that describes God's power located inside of Jesus is used nine times in Ephesians 1. Paul states that we are forever locked up in Christ, Ephesians 1, 3, 4, 6, 7, and 10, twice, 11, and 13. All nine times in Ephesians 1, Paul says that we are in him, in Christ, in whom or in the beloved. All are in the locative case. Paul is saying we have actually been placed inside Jesus, and he has become our realm of existence and the place of our habitation. Just as you and I live at a certain physical address, you also have a spiritual address. You permanently reside inside the Son of God, secure in him as a believer. That's why David could say, for example, in Psalm 71.3, for you are my rock and my fortress. Why? I am in you, God. I am completely secure. David had a revelation even before Jesus came. I'm almost done for today. The reason God's power is so accessible to us is that we both, is that both we and his divine power are located in the same place. The power is located inside the Lord, and we are also located inside the Lord. You and I are united with Christ and with his power. His manifested dominion. When you pray, your prayers are not weak, feeble attempts, even though you may think they are, at trying to reach God. No, God is there with you. And so it's like, okay, Lord, I want to agree with your word in heaven, your revealed will. God, let heaven invade earth. And by the way, don't focus so much on the principalities. Eh, Focus on him. God, let your might, let the power of who you are and your domestic, your, your manifested dominion, God, let it be revealed in our world. God, let the presence of God fill target. God, the people would walk in there and come under the conviction of God. Managers would get repent and get sick. CEO would repent. God, either he gets saved or take him out. We love him, let him get right, take him out, remove him. 
Lord, have your way. See, you begin to pray. God, shake the city. <laughs> Let the church arise with a new faith, a new boldness, a new heart for prayer. I, I will not, listen, some of you have been AWOL from your place on the wall. It's a military AWOL, absent without leave. Some of you have lost your place and position in the body of Christ. Everybody's called to be a prayer warrior. There's not like a few intercessors. There's no ministry of like intercessor. <laughs> Everyone's called to be a prayer warrior. You can't rely on the youth pastors or the children's pastors to take care of your kids. No, you've got to be praying, parents. You've got to be praying for those leaders. You've got to be interceding, crying out, saying, God. Amen. I think you, we love our police. Pray for them. Amen. Love our border patrol. Pray for them. Amen. All of this stuff. But we can't rely on them. Right. We can't Listen, we need the legislation of heaven. It's only going to come through prayer and exercising the authority of God's word. Would you go ahead and stand? Again, there's more to this, learning how to pray, waiting on the Lord. James 5.16, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power, produces wonderful results. Learn how to pray from your position in Christ. Learn how to praise. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Psalm 100 verse 4, it is courts with praise. Learn how to be a person of his presence. God, I want one thing, Psalm 27, 4 and 5. One thing and one thing only I desire, Lord, to live in your house and, and to contemplate and see your beauty. Be a person of purity. Blessed are the pure in heart, Jesus said, for they shall see God. Listen, you're not going to see your prayers answered if you're living in wickedness and unrighteousness. Realize we're created for people, for one another in partnership. We're to bear one another's burdens. Fulfill the law of Christ. One can chase a thousand, two can chase ten thousand. Fellowship. Many people withdraw from others. It's important to stay in fellowship. I urge you, read Hebrews chapter 10 this summer. Read Hebrews chapter 10 this summer. Hebrews 10:25 says this: not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But then he goes on and gives some of the, the, the strictest, clearest warnings against falling away from Christ anywhere that you will see in the New Testament. We need one another, and we need to be right with God and not being pulled into the evil of the age and what culture's calling good. We need to go by what the Word says. And so, in closing here, God has designed our lives in Christ such that it would be strange for us not to receive his power and strength to live victoriously. So open our hearts. So by faith, we must simply receive and embrace it. There is no need to beg or plead or beat yourself up in prayer to somehow convince yourself you're good enough to receive this divine power. Here's an illustration. I'll leave you with this real quick here. Think of an aquarium. The water and fish are definitely different in substance, but they both reside in the same tank. The tank serves as the home for these two substances held simultaneously within its walls. The fish doesn't have to release its faith to get into the water, for it already lives in the water. You and I are located inside the Lord with his power. You don't have to, like, try to get in his power. You don't have to try to get in the spirit. If you're a born-again believer, the spirit of God is in you, and so you are in him. You're located in him. His power is in you. And so just begin to receive. When you sit down to pray, 
you may feel like I don't feel God's presence. They say, no, no, that's not what the word says. I'm located in him. I'm in him. If you know Jesus Christ, you're already in the same place with him and his power. In fact, you're rubbing elbows with the power of God all the time. It's no more difficult to receive than it's for a fish to start swimming. It's yours for the taking, received by faith. So I want to pray a prayer. And so maybe pray it with me. Lord, I'm thankful for your power and might. I need your power in my life. And I'm grateful you've made it easy for me to receive it. I open my heart right now in faith. And I ask you to give me a fresh infilling of your spirit and your power. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Now receive it. Lord, I just pray all over the room by faith. Whether you feel anything or not, say, Lord, I thank you for your presence. I thank you that I'm in you. And if you don't know Christ here today, make a decision to give your life to him. Don't hold back any longer. The hour is late. Lord, I choose to live in you. Now I want to pray for those who need strength. Lord, I pray for those who've been through a tough season. We've, some have really been battling sickness, illness, disease, financial issues, different things going on, relationships, stuff. Lord, I pray it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, O oh Lord. And I pray strength to the weary. I pray encouragement to their soul, strength to run the race and to finish what you have for them, God. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. Listen, love you in the Lord.